everyone, welcome to JoJo's World. Morning, everybody. I'm Liam S. Smith. I'm one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Ballantyne, the other one of the co-hosts. Nick, we're back. We're actually through getting to Egypt. Yeah, we got there. It's great. It's sunny. Balmy weather. It's uh, not very wet. No, we'll give it that. though the Nile provides a strip of arid land making it suitable for habitation. Oh, tell me more. Arid? Is that the wrong word? Uh, probably wet. All wet right, habitation. anyway. This is the 51st episode of Jojo Bizarre Adventure and our podcast. Ooh! Hey. They said we couldn't do it. They said we'd peter out after a dozen or so. Well, look who's petering out now. Yeah. Who's laughing now, Dad? I am very tired, though. Yeah, Nick is... On no sleep, so it's going to be one of those sorts of episodes. It's going to be a lot of you getting very angry and me, like, making things up. This is the 25th episode of Stardust Crusaders, Mm -hmm. and the first episode of Stardust Crusaders Battle in Egypt. Oh, we're in a new part. No. Nick. (laughs) You vex me. (laughs) New season of the same part. We've been over this. Gotcha. Understood. Covers chapters 183 through uh, 186 of the manga. That tracks. That's about the right number of chapters. Yes. <laughs> what was that? You know, yes. The, yes, the cat. Man. It looks at this, this, the YouTube camera and goes, yes. What? Anyway. That's not what I thought it was from. Okay. Nick. Yeah. Thoughts preliminarily on this episode. I think you know my thoughts. Nick became very fixated on a certain character. There's one very specific character who we meet who is... A very good boy. I... What? How? What? Who's a good boy? Of anything that could have happened, this is not what I thought would happen. Well, it did. So now we have to live with this. Yeah. And we'll explain what we're even talking about shortly. (laughs) Before we do that, though, I want to share with you some words of wisdom from uh, author of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, Hirohiko Araki. Ooh. He says, in the first volume of Stardust Crusaders... When I'm travelling, I can feel very lonely, so I appreciate the kindness of strangers from the bottom of my heart. Still, sometimes I start wondering why someone is being so nice to me. Are they actually evil and planning my demise? Who's my friend? Who's my enemy? A big smiling face says, please give me all your money. Ah, now that's scary. So he's scared of marketing. He's scared of everyone and everything. (laughs) You can't trust anyone. They're all out to get you. Man, that Starbucks guy, he... I don't like his eyes. Nick, if you gave me the chance, I'd kill you and everyone you care about. (laughs) I mean, where is this coming from, Liam? Why do you want me dead, Liam? Just, it'll make good audio. Are you willing to sacrifice me and everyone we know just to make a good podcast? I mean, it worked for Serial. Yeah, fair, fair. I I can't deny that that was, what, the biggest podcast? Next to that time, Marin was on Obama. Wait, reverse that. Marin was on Obama. <laughs> Next to the time, Obama was on Marin, at least. Nope, we're going with Marin was on Obama. Oh, you know Obama's podcast where he interviews comedians? So, uh, the, the joke. Explain that to me. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think it's interesting and appropriate enough that he starts talking about travel in the first note of, uh... Of Stardust Crusaders? Yeah. The one that is purely travel? Well, travel and fighting, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they're all fighting. It's a shining manga. That is true. That is true. Let me correct myself. Okay. That was actually the note from the second volume of Stardust Crusaders. And for ease of audio, so I had to cut all that good, good content. We'll do the first note next week. Okay, gotcha. And then when we get back to that note... We'll do it again and we'll see how life has changed. It'll be so different. And I'll Two weeks from now. Yeah. Anywho. So what we said about... It seems fitting... (laughs) That at the start of Stardust Crusaders, he went travelling, starts talking about travelling. No, none of that. No. It's still, it's still the start, though, before the journey happens. Yeah, true. It seems fitting that this being the start of a new season, we've fallen back on our amateur ways. <laughs> we've learned absolutely nothing along the way. We open with a shot of the sky, it pans down to a shot of the sand, there's ominous music, the gang are all standing in the desert, and we get a cool sort of tracking shot as the camera zooms in on the guys and then pans around and up Jotaro. And there's a nice transition from 3D to 2D animation. I didn't notice that. Yeah. As they're going around, I was like, oh, that looks very smooth, that's probably 3D, and then it went to 2D, I was like, oh. Makes sense, I suppose, probably much easier to do that sort of elaborate thing in a 3D environment. Yeah. And uh, pans up to Jotaro's face and he's like, it's about time they got here. Cut to the OP. Which is new! The we new OP. Oh. Sonachi no Kiyoku. Uh, I don't know. 
That's probably, I'm probably mangling that pronunciation. Sonachino Chiyoku. Kiyoku. And then, what, are they, what do you call those little, these little lines? The till? Yeah. A couple of tilds, and then end of the world, and the world is in caps, and then another tilde. Why is the world in caps? Because it's the world. True. You know, like I have the fool. <laughs> yes. Star I know. platinum. I know all about the fool. This is by the Joe stars, with a star in between Joe and stars, who are... The three previous OP artists working together. My God. Are you serious? Yeah. Holy crap. Which is, that's a fun way to sort of, because this is sort of a culmination of the previous three yeah. seasons. So two seasons. All three. of them have come together to just write one badass song. Yeah. Holy crap. Yes. I am so down with that. So what are your, what are your initial thoughts about this animation sequence? We don't have any subtitles this time, unfortunately. Uh, it is good. I have no idea what's going on. Uh, yeah. Obviously, this was our first proper glance at Iggy, who we'll be introduced to in the show shortly, so you kind of became fixated on that. Yeah, I did. But did anything else about it jump out at you? You know the bit where there are silhouettes flashing? The gang rule on sort of an elaborate stairwell, Mm. and these silhouettes uh, in the motion of a pendulum uh, Mm. keep flashing past, and then different shapes uh, in that. Now, I figure I probably should have counted... But I think there were nine flashes, maybe. It's not quite right, but you're on the right track. Shit. You're on the right track. Okay. Yeah, but I noticed that the silhouettes were like people or something. Yeah. And just went, huh, huh, that looks like it's going to mean something later. (laughs) Uh, The other, as I alluded to before with the pendulum, the other recurring motif uh, in this animation is that there's a lot of stuff with clocks and... And, and like gears. Yeah. yeah. Broken clockwork, running clockwork, etc, etc. As if they're going against the clock. Yeah, sort of like... Mm. And that's that's something that is also sort of a recurring thing in the lyrics, the idea that time is running out, that, you know, they're on a deadline and it's, a, it's rapidly approaching. <laughs> well, as we find out, it is rapidly approaching. <laughs> Just to briefly overview the lyrics, they talk about... A, how time is running out. Um, they refer to the heat of Egypt and the power of the gods, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, it keeps coming back to the end of the world, as the song's title would imply. The end of the world. Yeah. <gasps> what if... Oh, well, oh, this is a fun... Um, this is a fun little... Um, tidbit? Little <laughs> verse in what I presume is the extended version. Mm-hmm. If in the desert emeralds fall like rain, a hero calling himself a fool will display his mirage. Rippling thorns track the evil presence. He will do whatever it takes for his revival. He wanders in search of innocent fresh blood... Who will put a stake through their history? Star Platinum. Wow. I mean, way to ruin the plot for me, but okay. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what we know. Yeah, we know that. There's a bad guy. He's in search of innocent blood. There's a dude shooting emeralds and a fool. And a guy with, with Star Platinum. Yeah, and Star Platinum's there. It starts off really He'll put like, an end to things. He's Star Platinum. It starts off barely metaphorical and then just goes, and then there's this guy. Who's going to put a stake in him? It, it's Star Platinum. That is that is who is going to do it. Mm. And then the sort of climactic moment of the opening sequence is when uh, the guys all sing uh, End of the World, Sonichi no Kiyoku, which roughly translates to Memory of That Blood. Memory of That Blood? Because this is also links back to our first opening, if you recall, Sonichi no Sadame, which yeah. is something like the legacy of your blood. Right. So sort of brings it all back to that. Ooh, and then the gang all sing in harmony, aura, aura, aura. <laughs> I do enjoy that Aura 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 is part of the song. Yeah. So we'll dive into that in greater detail in a future episode, I think, because we've got plenty more to go on this week. There's going to be a dramatic reading at some point. We just know there is. Yeah. (laughs) So there's there's a helicopter approaching. The gang are all talking about this helicopter. They're like, look, a helicopter. Are we getting in that helicopter? Don't state the obvious. That's a helicopter. It's from the the Speedwagon Foundation. The Speedwagon Foundation? Aren't they your friends who are taking care of mum in Japan? No, the helicopter's taking care of mum and Japan. The oh. Speedwagon Foundation is landing right now. Man, those Speedwagon Foundation guys are real helicopter parents. <laughs> Joseph's like, no, the crew aren't stand users. We can't possibly endanger them by going for a ride in the helicopter. But they have brought us a helper. Yes. He's got a few personality issues. He's a bit of a wild card. Huh. He sounds like an interesting guy. Yeah. And I was like, no, Mr. Joestar, there's no way we can trust him to help us. He's too dangerous. He's too dangerous to be left alive. How, Star Wars. How many Star Wars references <laughs> can we make until one of us just goes, okay, we need to focus on JoJo's, not Star Wars. Probably none, I figure. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a, it's an endless well. It's an endless well. There's unlimited power. Just like the clones. So Abdel's really talking up this new stand user. 
He's like, he's too dangerous, but also, he's really tough. There's no way you could beat him, Polnareff. You basically suck. Hey, Polnareff is... Well, we'll find... Well, His card suggests the fool. And Polnareff's like, huh, that card sounds like an idiot. Not like me, I'm the chariot. That's great. That suggests soft control. <laughs> I mean... Ooh, we are setting up some brutal karma to happen. You wouldn't be able to beat him. What do you mean I wouldn't be able to beat him? Grabs him by lapel. Hey, what's with you grabbing me by the lapel? That's annoying. <laughs> I mean, we are just getting some top action. Yeah, this. this is some real sort of intra-party conflict that really drives the narrative, you know? <laughs> this is major plot, okay? Major plot. Reporting for duty, sir. So we have some holes that you need to fill. Uh, they're just over. Anywho, uh, this helicopter lands and these two speedwagon Tradition guys get oh out God. and they look so sinister. Like when I saw them, I thought they were bad guys. Yeah, I think everyone does because in half the shots we see them, they have no eyes so you can't read their expressions. And yep. then the others you see them, they have like narrow sinister eyes and big sm like slimy grins. Slightly out of proportion yeah. features that make you go, Ooh, I can't trust these guys. Yeah, no. But no, spoiler alert, they're perfectly innocent. They're the good guys. Yeah. This is what we're fighting for. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. What was that? What they're like? They approach Joseph and they're like, hmm, Mr. Joestar, thank goodness you're safe. Don't I sound benevolent? Hey man, I'm glad you could come. So, Jada is like, which one of you is the stand user? And they both glance at each other ominously. <clears throat> no, neither of us are the stand user. Look in the back seat. <laughs> okay, so they're the good guys. Just yeah. to reiterate. They open up the helicopter and they're like, darkness falls across the land. <laughs> the midnight hour is near at hand. Creatures <laughs> crawl in search of blood to terrorize your neighborhood. For whosoever shall be found without the soul for getting down. That's all I can remember. I can't remember any of it. Quite like that Vincent Price. Ah, uh, Vincent Price. Anywho, <laughs> uh, they open up the helicopter and they're like, oh, there's no one in the back seat. But there is a blanket. Yeah, and Polnareff starts touching the back seat like, huh, there's no one in here. How silly. And then he puts his hand in some goop and he's like, ugh. Now, at this point, I think I knew exactly what was going to happen. Well, you had seen the dog in the opening. I had seen the dog in the opening. Yeah. Kind of gives the game away there, doesn't it? Well, not really, but yes. Because this entire time I've been figuring, man, who's the sixth Stardust Crusader? Because the first OP had the sixth Stardust Crusader as like a little... Yeah. Like a little comet. And this entire time I was like, oh, maybe it's a kid. Maybe it's some... No. No. It's a dog. It's a fucking dog. Well, look, getting a dog is a big responsibility, but I honestly think that taking on this challenge could really help Polnareff grow and mature. <laughs> yes, but this is Polnareff we're talking about. <laughs> the man who killed his own sister as, like, final retribution, his sister's murderer, and came to terms with the fact that Abdol was dead, although he is alive now. Maybe he's regressed. <laughs> the lesson Polnareff learned is there are no consequences for my actions. <laughs> Yeah, right, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so, uh, he's, got, he's got this goop on his hand and he's like, ugh. And the pilots are like, oh no, it was a rough ride and he's in a bad mood. Look out, he's got personality issues. And once again, Abdul re reiterates, Polnareff, you can't win. Not You'll knowing... never win, Polnareff. Yeah, not knowing who it is or what it does. Yeah. Just, Polnareff, you cannot win. And again, he starts patting at this blanket and little doge... Leaps out and stuff. Little Doge. Little Doge. Iggy the Little Doge. Now, it looks a bit like a mix between a pug and like a... What's... What is the the normal looking dog? Not you like, know, the normal looking yeah. dog. Labrador? The standard breed of dog. Like Black Lab? Is that what they're called? Okay, I can see that as not an unreasonable thing. It, yeah. it's, it's a Boston Terrier. A Boston Terrier. Yeah, here's a picture of a real one. That's exactly what it... Not really. Now that I think about it, it... Look, he's a bit fatter. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> he's a bit sm he's a bit smaller, a bit chunkier. Yeah, he doesn't quite have the legs, shall no. we say? The Wikipedia uh, stock image for Boston Terrier—it's got some height to it. You too can join in on this conversation <laughs> right now. Yeah, the Boston Terrier is a breed of dog originating in the United States. This American gentleman was accepted in 1893 by the American Kennel Dog as a non-sporting breed. I wasn't going to read anything on this Wikipedia page, but then I saw that and I had to share it. <laughs> You did air quotes when yeah. you said American gentleman. Are there quotes around American? Yes. And it's also capitalized, which makes me think it might what? be a technical term, but uh, it, it looks ridiculous. What the hell? Okay, sure. I'm willing to believe that. Yeah. The American gentleman is its real name. The Boston Terrier is for plebs like you <laughs> and I who don't 
you know, affiliate oh, with. Oh, that is one of its other names, according to this little box out what? here. Other names. Boston Bull, Boston Bull Terrier, Boxwood, American Gentleman. Sorry, Boxwood. Boxwood. Animal World. <laughs> Great. Okay. We Great. did it. Thanks. They range from 9 to 15 inches. That's 23 to 28 uh, to 38 centimetres for you and me. Mm-hmm. They have a short, smooth and slick coat. Sounds about right. And colours include brindle, seal and black with white. Lifespan of 11 to 13 years. Oh, that's quite long. Now we know about dogs. Dogs. Man's best friend, Polnareff's worst So this dog it jumps onto Polnareff's head and starts pulling out his hair with its teeth. That's what it does. Arfy, arfy, arfy. Yeah. Hey, I'm Iggy. Woof, woof, man. <laughs> arf, arf. Hey, woof, guys. How's it going? <laughs> so he's tearing out Polnareff's hair and Polnareff, we know he likes his do, so that's... He enjoys a good hair day. Yeah. He does not enjoy a bad hair day. Joseph's like, even the dog catchers in New York couldn't get him, but Avdol could, and he got him, and now he works for the Speedwagon Foundation. He's a dog. So, I'm a bit confused when he said Avdol caught him. Did Avdol go to New York with Joseph? It's possible. After some I mean, the details are a bit vague here, but what we can surmise is that Avdol went to New York and got a hold of this stand dog that was presumably causing trouble. (laughs) He just has a dog now. Well, the foundation does. Maybe they kept him in that box where Santana lives. <laughs> oh, God. Anytime Santana tried to, like, talk, Iggy would just eat him. just to, Or gnaw on him just a little bit. I think that's how pillow men work. But it is how Iggy works, apparently. On anyway. Sight, just eat people. Also, while ripping out hair, he likes to fart in the human's face. He does that. Kind of vulgar. He is a bit vulgar. Iggy, get some decorum. You're no American gentleman if I've ever seen one. <laughs> At best, I would describe you as boxwood. Just a classic boxwood brute. Polnareff loses his temper and pulls out Chariot. And Iggy responds by summoning his own stand, the Fool. Unlike most other stands we've seen, which form out of, you know... Thin air. Yeah. Yeah. And energy and emerge from the user's body. With great spirit and gusto. The Fool gathers up and forms from local sand. Which is a genius idea. Polnareff tries to cut him, and he just, you Turns know, into sand. the sand parts, and yeah. then the sand reforms, swallowing up Pol- uh, Chariot's sword in the process. Ooh. You can't beat him, Polnareff. You're trash. You can't beat him. This is a hard counter. This is... I mean, when you're in I mean, Egypt... You could just kill the dog. But that's a good point, actually. I don't yeah. think he wants to, because that's cruel. Yeah, but he did mess up his hair. So... Jodor is like, hmm, a stand made of sand. The simpler they are, the stronger they are. Hmm. He starts eating his hair again. <laughs> and he's like, help me guys. And Kakuin's like, sorry, Polnareff, but I'm not getting my hair eaten too. Taps, fringe. Now, I fully understand that this is probably just like a sly remark, but there are three reasons why I love this remark. Okay. One, Polnareff and Kakuin seem to be getting along a bit better over yeah, time. Yeah, I feel like they really bonded during the Hanged Man stuff. Yeah. So I get the feeling that they bonded during that and because of their hair. Yeah. Like, clearly Kakuin has put a lot of effort into getting this one strand to come well, yeah. down. Uh, Joseph and Jotaro and Avdol all wear headwear, so they're all fairly, um, you know, ma- light maintenance. Yeah. Uh, of course, Jotaro has to spend a lot of energy making sure his hair merges into with his hat. <laughs> but uh, I would imagine those two spend a lot of time by the m- mirror with their gel just like either pulling it up or pulling it down yeah. or across or something. Swapping techniques and combs. Yeah. Two, Kakuin therefore also must love his appearance to the point of ridiculousness. <laughs> like, just imagine how much time it would take just to get one strand. Not even just cutting the hair, but just in terms of that curl. Will his vanity be injured by the uh, horrific facial injury he takes in this episode? Ooh, that's a good point. I don't even know if he'll... Anyway, we'll get to that. Did you have a third point? I did. I've already forgotten what it was. It was mainly that they just love hair. Right. And so they're bonding because of hair. Okay, cool. Beautiful, beautiful hair. So let's take a brief diversion into tarot time <gasps> uh, to talk about the fool. Our last tarot time for a good long while, I'd say. Because mm, we we hear Kakuin say... Yeah, oh, well, later thought- on they talk about how like, huh, now that the fool's been discovered, there's only one tarot card out there, which is the world. And then... Well, we'd assumed that was Dio's, but now that we've learning about all these other stand users, who knows what could be going on? Yeah. I figured Dio is still the world, given that... Here's the thing. If the song, if the world was capitalised, and Dio I mean, they, they write stands in capital, mostly. My theory is debunked. But still, I mean, there's something there with End of the World and yeah. Fighting Dio and... Yeah. What if Dio is just a stand? What if he's just Nick, a living... You know he's not. 
But what if, Liam? What if? So, uh, The Fool. The Fool, as they say. The Fool, yeah. It's the, uh, the zero card in the, uh... What does that even mean? The zeroth card? It's, you know, like how in... I suppose it's like how in a deck of playing cards the Joker doesn't have a technical value. Oh, okay. Alright. It comes before the actual, uh, cards of value. Because hmm. I guess Jokers are there to protect the deck or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the Fool's just there to look nice, that's all. Uh, it signifies beginning, spontaneity, faith, and apparent folly. All of these things describe a dog. Beginning, entering a new phase, yep. say, a new season of an anime cartoon. Yep, yep. So, uh, it is opposed by cards including the Hierophant, following convention and routine, death, ending and closing down, and the devil, signifying uh, feelings of cynicism and lack of faith. Mm. It's reinforced by the hanged man, having faith in what is, going with the flow. Ironic, given we murdered him. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. The star, innocence, faith, and trust. And judgment, signifying rebirth and new starts. So we can't be reinforced by any of our characters. Nick, you keep forgetting about the star. Wait, who's the star? Platinum. Platinum. Yeah, true, true. Every time. Every time. Every time. I just think platinum is a tarot. And also, there's not. it's not that literal, remember? I want to believe that tarot cards are like Beyblades. As card zero, the fool... Also, Beyblades don't have elemental weaknesses. <laughs> That's just... <laughs> no, but they're better against some things than others because they have the spirit. As card zero, the fool lies at the beginning of the major arcana, but also somewhat apart from the other cards. In medieval courts, the court jester was someone who was not expected to follow the same rules as others. He could observe and then poke fun. This makes the fool unpredictable and full of surprises. He reminds us of the unlimited potential and spontaneity inherent in every moment. Hmm. There is a sense with this card that anything goes. Nothing is certain or regular. In readings, the fool can signal a new beginning or change of direction. One that would guide you on a, onto a path of adventure, wonder and personal growth. He also reminds you to keep your faith and trust your natural responses. If you are facing a decision or moment of doubt, the fool tells you to believe in yourself and follow your heart, no matter how crazy or foolish your impulses may seem. So basically, it's the shonen protagonist card. Yep. I now understand why every single Persona character is the fool. Yeah. Yeah. Your undefined nature allows you to collect monsters. Um, what, what if I don't want to collect monsters? Shut up. Shut You're up. the fool. I'm this guy with a big nose. Enter my prison dungeon and make a contract with me and start collecting monsters. What? How many conversations have you had with Igor now? I don't know, a dozen or so. Okay. All That's right. basically what he's like. It is. He's exactly like that. He's like, hey guys, we've got to rehabilitate you. Check out my two little girl jail wardens. And they're like, hey. And one of them's like, hey. Yeah, no, that's accurate. Yeah. And that's what happens in Persona 5. Can you date one of them? Don't think so. They're children. Ooh. And also like homunculi or something. This changes nothing for Persona. <laughs> you can date your teacher who's also like a sex maid though. Your teacher now. Yeah, it's weird. That is weird. And maybe a bit illegal. Yeah, just 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 a little bit. But that's where the fun comes in. Araki has a fair bit to say about the design of the full stand. Okay. So we've got A, a Jojonium note about it, and B, a uh, Jojo Vele commentary, as we always do. Okay. So the commentary is, I wanted to add a pet to the team at some point. Whites and blacks are easy to depict in manga, so that's how I chose his breed. <laughs> The design is a fusion of dog and car, and because it's sand, parentheses man, I added some Native American elements. It's a mixture between dog and car. Between dog and car. The Coming. ultimate fusion. Coming this summer, dog and car are one in Iggy. Monster Trucks. Which is a movie that came out. Um, was it actually? Yeah, it was bad from what I read. <laughs> or oh, from what I heard on a podcast. It sounds bad just from the name. And from our uh, Jojonium note on Iggy. In Jojo, I put a lot of importance on depicting all of creation. What? Oh, as usual, these are quite wrong, so feel free to interrupt. Okay, alright. Whether it's a physical phenomenon or a creature, Jojo is about expressing many different things through visual means. So adding an animal to the Joestar team made perfect sense to me. As I was drawing part three, I really wanted to give them a pet, so I started thinking about what animal would fit for their journey, and I decided it was a dog. Solid. I believe that the dog is a symbol of loyalty and friendship. Cat lovers probably want to ask, what's wrong with a cat? But I just have a feeling that a cat would probably have betrayed them at some point. Laughs. Cats will play with you, but they aren't your friends. I usually put cats on the enemy side. <laughs> I mean, cat lovers hate him. Yeah. Can't trust cats, you know. Wow. 
Wow. They they will inevitably betray you. They'll put that bacteria in your brain that makes you loyal to them. Yeah, that weird pheromone thing that they do. It's like a parasite or something. Yeah. I don't trust it. Can't trust... I know. One of my prospective roommates has a cat. Am I going to get mind controlled? You could. You could fall for the cat and be like, oh, but cats aren't that bad. And meanwhile, I've got like a little yerk in my brain. Yeah. It's like, um, down a steel stand. Oh shit, yeah. Yeah. It's just eating away I have to at shrink you. down my own stand and go and fight it. <laughs> just like Polnareff and Kakuin, Iggy joins the group during their journey, and it wasn't something I had planned from the beginning. Of course, I also hadn't thought up a stand for each tarot yet. It may seem perfect that Iggy's stand is the full, but at the time I was drawing this, it was the last cat tarot card left aside from the world. I also thought there was a possibility that I could use the full as an enemy stand. I had to make a quick decision there, but I love the visuals of the fool so much that I'm glad Iggy managed to stick around for as long as he did. I would love if, just like halfway through all of these stands, he starts running out of things and goes, Wait, hang on a minute, but who's Dio? Oh no! (laughs) So he's got all these plans for different stand users, and then he gets up to Dio and goes, Oh wait, I don't have any more tarot cards left. Uh, Dio's stand is Dracula. We're going Uh, going literary now. Yeah. We've got Dracula, uh, his... Number hand, his number two man is Frankenstein. <laughs> and then his stand is Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. There's a very big distinction. There's a massive community that always has to find, like, the difference between them. There's a really good, uh, I think it's by Chip Zdarsky. Mm. Uh, he took it the last page of the Frankenstein novel where it's like, and then I heard his shrieks across the Arctic tundra or whatever it is. Yeah. And then that finishes at like, the top of the top half of the page. And then in the um, bottom half, he's just scrolled the worlds. And then I heard his voice echoing after me. By the way, you can just call me Frankenstein as shorthand if you want. You don't have to specify Frankenstein's monster. (laughs) Oh, man. Pretty good. Some people are the worst. (laughs) When I design stands, I take hints from Aboriginal masks, clothing, and dolls. I then fused animal and machine parts to give it a unique, odd design. Stands were originally meant to be fusions between life and inorganic things, which I suppose we've seen with, like, chariots and hierophant green. Yeah. I mean, pretty much almost every stand has some kind of mechanical element Mm. to it, so, yeah. So these sorts of combinations pop up a lot. The Fool is based on a dog fused with a Native American mask and tires. (laughs) What? Yeah, sure. Okay, great. And if you collect three of the masks, it stops floating beside you and you put it on your face and you're invulnerable for a little while. Good reference. (laughs) Yeah, that's in vogue right now, right? Yeah, I mean, the Insane Trilogy is out. Uh, We've now dated this episode. Everyone's... Forgot how hard some levels of Crash Bandicoot were. Although, to be fair, some puzzles do feel like they were just excruciatingly difficult. Like, apparently there's one level where you need to bounce on something, like some giant cushion or something. That makes sense? A cushion? Yeah, that sure. On. That's a thing you bounce on. Um, and then you need to use that to bounce over to the other side of, like, a bridge that's Ooh. broken. Apparently, you need to be, like, on point to Pixel get Pixel perfect. Yeah. So that might be a bit, you know... Iffy. <laughs> Get him wampers. <laughs> the Fool is the epitome of what I had always imagined stands to look like. Huh. Oh, interesting. It's That's an unusual statement considering how different it is from so many... Yeah. The epitome of... Yeah. I mean, so many of the protagonist ones at least are just like a dude. So That's true. I mean, one of them was literally just a guy. Although I suppose this is like the dog version of just a dude. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is him going, yeah, he's a dog. And I'm really happy that the dog now has Native American headwear and tires. Yeah, that's really sort of an improvement to man's best friend, you know? It's all about creation, you know? Yeah. Now the dog can enter a demolition derby. Oh, God. Even though I love looking through animal encyclopedias, Iggy was the first time I made an animal a main character. Now we know he likes to look through animal encyclopedias. I used to have a book called The Weird Animal Almanac. The Weird Animal Almanac? Yeah. It was a good almanac to have. Do you reckon... I learned about things like water bears. Do you reckon having that encyclopedic knowledge of animals helped him in finding out about the way way fly? <laughs> maybe, yeah. I mean, this is before the internet, so maybe it's a real fly. Who knows? Maybe it makes a comeback in this episode. Ooh. It was also my first time drawing animal battles. So I did research using Takahish- Takahashi Yoshihiro's Ginga Nagaroshi Gin. As I continue drawing Iggy... Oh, so that's a reference to something we don't understand. <laughs> Okay, gotcha. As I continued drawing Iggy, I became attached to him and thought that maybe I wanted to get my own Boston Terrier. But I decided against it due to my work schedule. If I'd gotten one, I'd want to play Frisbee with it. Seems like he wouldn't be able to play much with a Chihuahua or a Toy Poodle. Laughs. Hang on, if he could get a Boston Terrier, he could just have it in his anime studio. 
Sorry, his manga tower. <laughs> right? Sure, okay. Yep. Because we all know he's rich as shit now. He'll have, like, his manga tower, and he just throws a frisbee whenever he's drawing with his left hand, and he's drawing with his right hand. You've got to exercise a dog, Nick. Yeah? Th- throw frisbee left hand, draw right hand. <laughs> it's so easy. He brings it back to you. You're like, there you go. Just give him some gum. Yeah, but then you get into the whole no-take-only-throw situation. <laughs> oh, true, true. Finally, the fool has tyres for legs. Where did that idea come from? Good question. An F1 race car. At the time, Jump was supporting the F1 team, so I often saw them in the magazine. His stand isn't super fast or anything, but I thought it was timely, so I added this touch in. Jump is the... Shonen Jump, the yeah. magazine yeah. thing. Okay. So it's cross-promotion, essentially. <laughs> so hang on. He's basically gone, man, I need a cool-looking thing. F... Yeah, F1 cars. Yeah, yeah, with, with wheels and, and shit. The fool carves up an enemy stand and turns to the camera and is like, support the Japanese F1 team. <laughs> Oh, no. I don't know if it's... I don't watch a lot of car racing. I don't know if it's divided by nationality. I mean, yeah, it can Yeah, it can be. It's less like some dudes from companies, and they tend to be divided by nationality. Support the Jump F1 team, starring Joseph Jumpstar as Driver <laughs> Man. Jumpstar. <laughs> no, everyone has to be named Jump instead of Joe. I mean, that's what I did, Nick. No, but you said Jumpstar. I'm thinking that they still have the Jumpstar. Anyway. Oh, okay. That was, that, was a, that was a fairly lengthy diversion into Reading Town. God, we have so many tangents. It's wonderful. <laughs> that was all on topic, though. Actually, it was. That's a first. Iggy is carving up Polnareff's hair and farting in his face and just being a, a real bad boy. Oh my god, we're still in like the first five minutes yeah. of the episode. And they're like, oh, do you have his treats? And they're like, the sinister guys are like, <laughs> we couldn't get here without them. <laughs> and they give him some coffee-flavoured chewing gum, which sounds gross. It sounds like it could kill a dog. Than... Yes. Yeah. Oh? oh. I mean, it sounds like it could. I mean, yeah. Coffee-flavoured gum. I mean, Jojo mm. is no stranger to feeding dogs things that could kill them. <laughs> hey, boy. Remember when Jojo was feeding Danny those grapes? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly, I don't know if coffee is particularly good or bad for dogs. I would presume bad, if anything. But uh, cer- mean, certainly chewing gum. Yeah. You know. In such large quantities. Yeah. But Joseph does make a later reference to... The gum losing his flavour, so presumably he is chewing it and not just swallowing it. Yeah. But we didn't see any gum in the helicopter, so... Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Unless it was all under that coat. Just a big big old (laughs) mess of gum. Just this one giant bulbous mass. Yeah. Of course, you know, it could have been that all that goop in the manga, seeing it was black and white, Mm. was intended to be like gum leavings and not just saliva, as you might assume. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. So I've Pulls out a uh, stick of gum and Iggy immediately sniffs it and leaves Polareff and starts running over like a real good boy. Yep. But then uh, they're like, no, Avdol, you've got to keep the box. Oh, sorry. It's the sinister guys talking. They're like, yeah. no, Avdol, you've got to keep the box hidden from him. Ha ha. And he leaps through the air and misses the like well, stick of gum. Grabs, he grabs both the stick of gum <laughs> and in the same leap grabs the whole box and starts tearing it open and chewing all that sweet, sweet coffee gum. I mean, god damn, at least take the paper off. <laughs> so says Joseph. Iggy's cup runneth, runneth over. <laughs> he is a good boy. <laughs> they would scold him if they could, but he's too dangerous to be left alive. <laughs> the guys uh, bring out some supplies. Uh, they bring out a new artificial hand for Joseph. Oh, yeah, I missed that because I was taking notes. Yeah. I suppose he did take some damage in the previous episode. Yeah, you're getting the whole thing cut off or whatever. Yeah. Was he handless this whole time? Yeah. Oh, didn't notice. There you go. I suppose I would have on a previous watch, but, you know, there's a lot to keep track of when you're <laughs> doing this in a prof- not a professional context. That's even dumber. How, yeah. do I, how do I double down on my saying a stupid thing voice? Uh, when you have such a hard task as producing this many podcasts. Yeah, sure. Really, it just takes it out of you. Yeah. You know? They bring him food, some water, and also a camera for spirit photography. For spirit photography. So you could take one spirit photo. Yeah, that's about it before you... What they need to do is they need to track down on a stand user who's also a camera repairman. Ooh, why not just make cameras out of sand? I don't think that's quite how the fool works. Yeah, I don't think Iggy could make... I suppose the reason that Avdol could capture Iggy is because he could glass him. What? You know, fire and sand. (laughs) Oh, shit, you're right. No, no, I didn't mean break a beer bottle over his head. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was I was like, hang on, what? You could just smash, like, a Molotov cocktail on him or something? <laughs> but no, you know, fire, sand, glass. Yeah, no, that can work. Hmm. And then he would be helpless. 
Joseph was like, oh yes, a camera. Great idea. But also, let's take a fun photo to commemorate the occasion of us arriving in Egypt. So they take the first certified Jojo selfie. <laughs> well, I mean, they're not taking it. I presume the yeah, evil true. guys are. <laughs> yeah, they probably are, actually. No, I think Because everyone else is in frame. Full body. Yeah. No arms off camera. It's a fun photo. Uh, you know, they're all crowded around this rock. Uh, Polnareff is holding Joseph's head in his hand. <laughs> He's like, ah. Oh. And everyone else is just kind of standing around normally. <laughs> Jodoro looks, I mean, happy, but very much like Jodoro. He looks stoic. I don't know what else I was expecting from Jodoro, yeah. but yeah. And then as the guys are leaving, they're like, hey, how's Holly? And they're like, ooh, she's not doing well, Mr. Joestar. <laughs> The doctors say her life energy's fading and she'll be lucky to survive another two weeks. And they're like, hmm, we've got no time. Also, we heard a report that nine mysterious men and women entered and then left Dio's house. Who are they? Stand users? We don't know, but we can't investigate any further because we're not stand users. Ooh. And also, that mansion's empty now, so good luck finding him, dudes. Later. <laughs> Shit. And that's when they have that conversation about, like, I thought the world would be Dio's stand, but now there's all these new stand users, question mark. Yeah. Because, like, if it's not tarot... What if these new guys weren't stand users? What if they were just, like, wizards? <laughs> it's like, well, we had fun with stands, but now it's back to Hamon, and, uh, you know, I think that's going to go really Now we're well. really getting into sort of... Because, you know, psychic powers have had their time in the sun. Now we're really getting into collectible monsters. <laughs> I choose you, Agumon. Uh, guys, this this is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. We can't use Agumon or I Choose You. We have to have something better. I Choose You, Jotaro. Yare, yare, does it? <laughs> anyway. You know what? If there was a Pokemon JoJo crossover, that would not be too bad. They deduce that uh, Dio's not used to his new body yet on account of... When we're watching it, you're like, hang on, hasn't he had that for a hundred years? Yeah. But uh, if you recall back in part one, he needed to feed a lot to recover from his horrific bodily burns. Mm. So you can't really feed a lot under the ocean. That is true. So presumably he's only been able to... Yeah, and I suppose he is missing his body. And I, I would imagine the process of grafting yourself fully to a new body. Yeah. Kind of takes it out of you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think we've all been there before. So he's trying to buy himself some time with some new stand users because he's also too proud to flee Egypt. <laughs> I just love that that is a thing. Does Joseph know anything about his character? He never met him. <laughs> Dio's too proud. I know that. Well, to be fair, we know that Dio is an asshole. And I suppose Arena told him stories. Yeah. So... He's a proud fucking asshole, <laughs> And Abdul met him. True. So, what was like five Allured seconds. by his dangerous sensuality. Ooh. God, I hope we meet Dio soon and we actually get to see him, you know, being Dio. Not just reading in bed. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh. So the helicopter leaves and then Iggy sniffs and looks up at a cliff and there's a man up there. <gasps> what? He looks like he might be of Egyptian descent. I think so, yeah. He's got... Uh, sort of olive skin and uh, black hair and he's wearing a, a, a sort of bandana thing around his head. Yeah. And uh, he's holding a stick in his hand. Because, spoiler alert, this guy's blind. Uh, it's a cane, Liam. Oh, well, excuse me. I think you'll find. He stands up and he feels at the ground a bit and then there's a fly buzzing near his head and he goes to grab it Mr. Miyagi style. But he doesn't. He almost does. He's like, so close. I need more practice at fly grabbing. He manages to, like... Get its wing or something. Yeah. The N Nile Weiwei fly. Because of this fly, they could track Dio. How do I know that? I'm Ndul. <laughs> I'm the great Ndul, motherfuckers. Even though he couldn't grab it, he can hit a rock with his stick and kill the fly with that, which seems more precise, if anything. I mean, yeah. It only requires more mathematical knowledge of what angle do I need to hit it at to perfectly hit that fly? Particularly since he's blind. Yeah, especially since he's blind. But he can hear the fly buzzing around him. So the guys are all dune buggying. They're having a great time. They're cruising. Actually, they're not having a great time because Ponner is really angry that Iggy has the whole middle seat to himself. And they're all stuck in the back. Yeah. Like plebs. And Joseph's like, just wait till the flavour in his gum fades. Then we'll chuck a new piece of gum in the back. And you guys can all you guys can all cram yourselves into the middle, which would be marginally better. Ponner's like, but why can't we just move him now? And he growls. <laughs> Uh, so beautiful. And Joseph breaks suddenly and is like, oh no, look over there. That helicopter from before crashed. <gasps> I don't know how we didn't see that from... 200 metres away. Yeah. Be careful. It's very likely we'll be attacked. And they're scoping out this scene, doing some classic JoJo CSI. 
There's not much to go off. Pretty grisly. I mean, it's a brutal sight. So the pilot, one of the sinister looking guys. Not, yeah, no, the sinister guy who had the weird grin at the start. He is, uh, half his body is sort of crushed underneath the helicopter. Mm -hmm. And the other half drag broken fingernails across the metal of... Yeah, leaving bloody scratches. Yeah. And his mouth is open and full of water. Water? Well, that's unusual. It is unusual in the middle of the mm. desert. They turn his head and the water all spills out and also a small fish. A small fish? Small fish? That's extremely Could odd. the fish be the stand user? Hmm. Hmm. Good question. Well, it's water. It's coming from his mouth. No, not his mouth. His lungs. He drowned in the middle of a desert. How ironic. Anyway, let's keep going. That is pretty ironic though. That might be the one time... Like, any usage of the word ironic is correct. Yep, that's the only time it's ever happened. You heard it here first on JoJo's World, ladies and gentlemen. Never again. <laughs> they find the other guy, he was thrown clear or something, he's a few metres away. I don't know how they didn't see him on the walk up. Yeah, and no. he's like, water. He's like, oil can. Oil can? Yeah, his, his joints are all rusted up because he's a tin uh, man. Of course, of course. Water. Water. Alright, fine, we'll give you some water. You want some water? Have some damn water. Polnareff, give me that canteen over there. Alright, I'm Polnareff. <laughs> Polnareff's character in a nutshell. Yeah. This is some interesting cinematography because they're holding the open canteen up to his mouth and we keep seeing flashes between his face and then further and further close-ups of the open mouth of the canteen, which is just a black hole. So it's not even, like, good because it's just (laughs) slowly zooming in on both perspectives. Yeah. So... If you watch carefully, the resolution gets worse and worse <laughs> as it goes on because it's zooming in. And then suddenly, shit goes down. A hand-shaped thing, thing emerges from the canteen, rips off that guy's head after, eff- after effortlessly. After screaming, the water's going to attack me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Just... Uh, rips off his head and pulls it inside the canteen. It's fucking weird. Without really compromising the structural integrity of the canteen, which is impressive. Yeah, no, he just drags it on in there. Everyone scatters and hides behind dunes and they're all watching this canteen as blood leaks out of it. Ooh. Ooh, that was dangerous. It's a good thing we're all okay. Avdol, did you see the stand? No, I just saw that hand. So they're all hiding behind some dunes. Yep. Could it be one of these nine dudes? I don't know. Jotaro gets out his binocs and is like, I can't see the guy. He's nowhere nearby. It must be a long distance stand. So is this when we get the like shoo, shot? Yeah. Um, the camera zooms away over the dunes and it's like, hey, I'm in duel. I followed them here in the dune buggy somehow. I'm four kilometers to the west of them. They'll never find me. <laughs> and he's got his cane in the ground. So yeah. He can and hear things. he's got his cane in the ground and... The handle is touching his ear. Mmm, right. And of course, you hear things through vibrations of bones in your ear. So that makes some sense, I guess. Yeah. It's also a badass looking cane. Yeah, it's like a silver top. It's got metal and rubies. Gotta have rubies. It's fucking dope. That might happen later, but whatever. Meanwhile, um, while Jodor is doing that, Polaref and Kakuin are behind another dune. And Kakuin is like, hey, Polaref, attack that canteen. And Polaref's like, I don't want to do it. You do it. And Kakuin goes... I don't want to do it. No, I don't want to. Polnareff's like, you have ranged attacks. And Kakuin's like, no means no. <laughs> and then he gets his face raked by the pulling water claw that was next to him and no one realised. <gasps> what? But where did it come from? It's a from? horrific facial wound and he's blinded. I mean, he's basically out for the count. Yeah, it's not fun. It's like this perfect two lines on his eyes. Yeah, that's grisly. Yeah. Let's, be, let's be frank. Who knows if he'll be blinded for life or not. So they say. Hmm. But how did this happen, Liam? How did this happen? How well, they're about to have a bit of a, a, a revelation because Polnareff's having a bit of a freak out mm-hmm. and Joseph and Jodoro can also see the water pulling next to him and we get we get another intense slow motion sequence as Polnareff realises this hand is right next to him and is basically staring it down as it's rearing up to attack him. And just as that tension's about to break, the dead, uh, headless <laughs> pilot guy... Speedwagon man. Yeah. Poor Speedwagon. Poor Speedwagon, man. His digital alarm clock goes... Uh, digital watch goes off. The alarm on it. Oh, huh. That's not really relevant to the battle. <laughs> Isn't it, though? Because the water moves away from Polnareff and goes and strikes that watch and cuts off that guy's hand. <gasps> Ooh. What? It must be attacking through sound or some bullshit. At this point, like, all the colours have shifted a lot so much that the sand is green and oh, blood so is still extra red, so I don't know what sort of filter they're applying. Uh... 
a bizarre filter. Most things are green and blood is red. Everyone's kind of like purple for the most part. Yeah. It's good shit. And green. And green. There's a cool bit. Uh, jo- Jotaro and Joseph have hopped onto the car because they're like, if we can't hear us through the vibrations in the ground, maybe we'll be safe. This this is not. This and is there's, not a, there's a fun bit where Polnareff is running and uh, the water is right behind him. He's also carrying Kakuin, uh, who is unconscious. And he's running and the water is right behind him on the ground the whole time. Then it it lunges and basically cuts his Achilles tendon, it looks like. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he can't use that leg anymore. And then, you know, because anime, that knocks them into the air so that Joseph can safely hermit purple vine pull them both in. Nice. Getting more and more versatile with that stand. Yeah, no, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying yeah. it a lot. It's fun. It's also quite different from all the other protagonist ones, seeing it's just vines. It's literally just vines. Yeah. It can do whips, it can do twirls, but it can't do much else. Yeah. So they, they, they take a moment to, um you know, collect their thoughts and they're like, Kaguin's not doing well. He's lost a lot of blood. Oh no. At this point, Iggy wakes up in the backseat of the car. Ooh, Iggy. We're yeah. going to see him do something. Yeah, he wakes up, he gets out of the car. Uh-huh. And then at this moment, uh, the water sort of sinks one tire of the car into the sand or something. It's I think like, he's trying to like or, grab it and drag yeah, it in. Uh, yeah. And so the car tilts up vertically and everyone's hanging on. Jotaro is being super casual. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> oh, I did. He's hanging on with one hand. The other is in his pocket. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, this happens. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to die here. Uh, I, I had a good run. Yara, <laughs> <laughs> yara. And then back across those four kilometers of desert sands and Duel is starting to panic. He's like, huh, that dog got out for my attack. It must have sensed my attack. Then everyone's like, we're being pulled in. Iggy, help. And Duel's like, that dog. He must know I'm here. I've got to kill that dog. He's a threat to me. And then Iggy yawns and goes to sleep. And he's like, oh, never mind. The dog doesn't give a shit. I'm pretty sure this is the greatest character development we've ever seen. (laughs) Where, oh yeah, I'm a dog. Okay, I'm asleep now. What a good boy. What a good boy. But it's so like a fucking dog when you're like, hey, do this thing. Do this thing. Do the- I'll it. give you a Scooby snack. <gasps> Is it coffee flavored? Sure. Is it gum? Sure. I'm willing to believe this because He's- I'm a dog. Goes and finds Dio and tears his head off. <laughs> There's no need for Joseph or Jotaro anymore. It's just Iggy on his own. Yeah. On a mission for coffee flavored gum. He's a mercenary and the only, co- the only price he's interested in is coffee flavored gum. And death. Namely yours, because that's the price. Anyway, uh, basically, they're like, oh no, he's going to cut the front tyre in half and pull us into the sand and kill us. Uh, End of episode. To be continued. Ooh. We've got a new ending sequence to go with our new opening sequence. And I remarked it was very fucking chill. It's a big change of pace from Roundabout and Walk Like an Egyptian. And the opening thing. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? We didn't talk about Iggy Pop at all. Oh. It was, of course, the likely namesake for our dog friend Iggy. It seems likely? Yeah. It seems likely. He's a sort of shirtless blonde man who wears tight <laughs> pants. That is an accurate representation of who Iggy Pop is. He was one of evil David Bowie's henchmen in, um... Labyrinth? No. <laughs> in Venture Bros. Until he betrayed him and David Bowie killed him. What? Wow, okay. That's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Heartless. So what do you know about Iggy Pop? Uh, I know that Iggy Pop isn't very good. Okay. <laughs> not not in the sense that he can't write music, just that I don't like his music. Right. He's very much of a glam kind of punky era. Well, they, uh, according to Wikipedia, he's the godfather of punk. There you go. I'm pretty sure he was like one of the first ones that came out and was like, yeah, fuck the man. I just want to party. Okay. I think. I think that was Iggy Pop. His real name's James Newell Osterberg Jr. Let's be glad he went with Iggy Pop. Yeah. No, I remember... Worked with the Stooges. I don't really know what else there is to say about him. Yeah, I remember he was very, like, you know, party attitude, rock star kind of guy. Um, yeah. Any hits you can recall? Um, no. Okay. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, again, not huge into his music. Fair enough. Yeah, me neither. I feel like it's just too early for me, you know? Or it's like punk, but not like the punk that I know. Well, uh, some of his hits include, according to this Wikipedia article, mm-hmm. Search and Destroy... I Want to Be Your Dog, which is with the Stooges. Yep. Uh, and his solo hits, Lust for Life and Real Wild Child, parentheses, Wild One. <laughs> I think he may have been a wild one. It's the vibe I'm getting. Can you click on that Seek and Dis- or Search and Destroy? Ooh. Ooh. Mm. Ah, the title was derived from a column ending in a Time article about the Vietnam War. There you go. Fair enough. Yeah. Anywho. Not the song that I was thinking of. Now we're talking about uh, the new closing sequence. 
Yes, last train home. It is super chill. It's by the Pat Metheny Group. It's very, uh, very jazzy. Yep. Very fusion Sort of a slow jam. It's got like a very fast hi-hat in the background while everything else is super chill. Yeah. Is it a wow? As we just see shots of the gang, it's like a constant horizontal pan to the right. And we see various shots of the gang just like being in the desert, being on the train. Being in Egypt. Yeah. In a hotel. Yeah. And then doing stuff. We cut the final shot is of the desert sands and the uh, the photo taken in this episode blows into the, uh, into the camera. It all comes back, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because really, even though they had a lot of serious stuff to do on this journey, wasn't it a good time in the end? Uh, well, no, it was something a you would look back time. on fondly afterwards. I mean, yeah, but maybe. Wait, I mean, really, it, weren't these fifty days the most interesting days of your life, Kakuin? Oh, well, I can't speak for Kakuin. <laughs> so yeah, this, this this song, this song is amazing. Holy shit! It's uh, it's. I think I'm pretty sure it's played with a fretless bass, so everything sounds smooth as shit. I have to take your word for it. It is just oh, it is so. Ju- I can't get over how chill it is. Great, I'm glad anyway, you enjoy it. Stop me before I keep going. I think, if I recall correctly, um, certainly with our friend, mutual friend Jay, and uh, I think with a lot of other internet people that I read the reactions of, mm-hmm. a lot of people took a while to get used to this one. But, yeah. um, you know, particularly towards the end, because of that sort of nostalgic feel, it start, they sort of start to come around to it. Right, I see, I see. Well, they're finally like, well, I've had 20-something episodes to get used to it. I'm okay with it now. Yeah. Fair. Because it is a very stark contrast to the sort of urgency of the OP, whereas this, it's, you know, very sort of melancholy. Yeah. It's very, very, very chill. <laughs> like, I cannot emphasize enough how chill it is. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so, who wrote it? The Pat Metheny Group. We already said that. Oh, yeah. The Pat Metheny Group. Yeah. Good times. Nick, what do you think your highlights and lowlights for this episode were? Hmm. Well, highlight, we now have a dog. Yeah. We now have a fucking dog. Everything's better with dogs in it. Ooh, I don't know about that. Iggy is very almost the poochie of this part. <laughs> the poochie. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, we're going to bring in this new character. He's super cool. <laughs> he wears sunglasses. He's a has, dog. He has a skateboard yeah. made of sand. He has sunglasses made of sand. He himself might be made out of sand. No one knows. And like Poochie, he's great and everyone loves him. <laughs> um, yeah, I think... I think you're going to like him. He has a, a very punk attitude. He's not afraid to fart. He's good. Which I'm not a big fan of, to be honest. Hey, he's a bit vulgar. you got to get used to it. Uh, yeah, so that's my highlight. Okay. Your highlight? Uh, my highlight, probably, um, just Joda wrote. No, my highlight is um, that dumb bickering argument Polnareff and Kakuin had been like, I, you, should, you attack it. No, you attack it. <laughs> but I don't want to. Yeah, it's not safe for me. Well, it's not safe for me either. Yeah, well, it's, it's not safe for me. Yeah, that's fun. Oh, man. I just love that we're getting so much more Polnareff and Kakuin BFF, like, moments. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, their hair and the bonding over the hair. Uh, low lights. Um, The great Endul doing sweet F all. <laughs> like, he literally just sits well, there. Well, I mean, I don't the- know if you realise, but he's probably behind this water stand. I know, but, like, he just sits there. Like, he himself is doing nothing, you know? With, like, if you think about Dan of Steel... I mean, he doesn't have to do anything. He's yeah. but if you got think... the situation in, under control. Yeah, but if you think about, like, Dan of Steel, he was doing things while the stand was doing things. Yeah. And He's multitasking. Think... Yeah, and if you think about Enya, she was doing things while the stand was doing things. True. Endul is just fucking sitting there. Hey, well, at least he's above ground, unlike Judgment Go. Yeah, true. But you didn't see him, so no time was wasted going back and forth right. to him. Whereas Endul's just fucking sitting there going... I'm great. Um, yeah, and he's just like, they'll never overcome me, the great Endul. It's just, ah, oh, ah, oh, it's not as good. It's not as good as it could be. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for my low light, I'm going to go with that face fart. You would. Kind of grosses me out. Ugh. I mean, there's nothing quite as good as a good, like, well-timed fart joke, though. So, Nick, hmm? what do you think is going to happen next time on Jojo Bizarre Adventure Part 3 Status Crusaders Season 2 Battle in Egypt in the episode entitled Iggy the Fool and Gabs Endul Part 2? Iggy the Fool and Gabs and Duel 2. Wait, aren't we in season three now? Fuck you. <laughs> For what, how long was it? Like a good ten minutes? I was like, you know, it's part three. We had a very long, way longer than it needed to be discussion, where Nick was trying to figure out what season of what part this was. Yeah, because and... it's season three of the anime. Yes. And it's part three of the manga. 
Yes. But it's part two of the distinction between part three. Because part one was getting to Egypt and part two is in Egypt. You see what I have to deal with? (laughs) Numbers are important, Liam. Anyway. Hmm. Next time. Iggy the Fool and the Great Endul. Okay, well, obviously they're going to beat the stand. Otherwise, we wouldn't have another 20-something episodes. Right. Um, Will Kakuin be blinded, though? Ooh. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe they'll just tell Palmer if he was blinded, but really, he's fine. (laughs) They'll go, what, like, 20 episodes? Uh, I could see all along. Guys, you gotta stop doing this shit. (laughs) Like, one time was enough. Two times is too many. Um, No, I reckon... He's going to have some kind of residual thing from this, surely. Right. Because it's the wound got a bit more attention than they normally do. Yeah, exactly. Like Polnareff's leg wound, for example. Yeah. Well, even more so. Because then he was like standing around on the car afterwards. Yeah, true. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe he might, you know, have a few eye troubles for a while. Okay. Maybe for like two episodes or something. He'll have, uh, he'll be blind. I can't see because of my wound from that water guy. Fuck that guy. What an asshole. I have to learn to use sound to find my enemy like he did. Ooh. Ooh. To be fair, he has a ranged attack, so... Mm. Mm. I mean, then again, he might not, because this is JoJo's where Polnareff took such a beating to that little doll, and the next episode was totally fine. Yeah. So, you know, nothing could happen, really. But we have seen scars on Kakuin now. When he was on the car and they were looking at him, he had scars where the blood was. Yeah. So... Okay, I'm going to say he's not going to be blinded. Okay. What, do you think's gonna ha- what else do you think is going to happen in the episode? Iggy is going to run after Gebs. Because he knows where he is. So they'll figure out how to motivate Iggy somehow. Yeah. Possibly through gum. Um, yeah. Most likely through gum. Just a lot of gum. Fair enough. Although, would they have, like, gum on them at all times now? It's unclear. Hmm, who knows? That will become more apparent in the next episode. So, yeah, they're going to use Iggy to find Gebs. And I don't think they're going to follow Geb. him. Geb. Geb. God damn. Such a very odd name. It's one of the Egyptian gods. Is it? Yeah. Geb and Dool. No, Geb. Geb. Gotcha. Wait, then where'd the Endul That's the name of the user. Oh. That's why he kept referring to himself as the Great Endul. Right. Gotcha. So they're going to find Endul. Not hard, Nick. (laughs) Well, they're going to find Endul. And he is just going to, you know... Actually, you know what he could do? He could use his cane. So instead of using his stand, which will have been defeated... So yeah, I reckon he'll use his cane. Like a sword or...? No, no, I think we've seen him use, like, other objects to, yeah. like, hit flies. So maybe he'll try using... He'll throw rocks at them. Yeah. He'll, like, use it to, like, bat sand at them. And oh, then... my eyes. Yeah, and then maybe, like... My throw... poor injured eyes. Throw, like, rubies and stuff like that. Yeah. So not as, like, a whacking tool so much as, but then, like... But then what, they'll just beat him up in the end? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. He's, he's a blind man. <laughs> then go further on into Egypt and to be continued. Yeah. All right. So that brings us to the end of our episode. Our new theme song is uh, Jojo Wave by Milk Juice, a.k.a. Nick Ballantyne. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, I like it. Oh. I hope you guys do too. If you don't, fuck. You're going to have to get a new theme song. <laughs> sure, yeah, that's how it works. Uh, and I guess until next time. To be continued. Feed the birds. Tuppence a bag. Oh, God, I hate Tuppence. that song. Tuppence. Feed the birds. No, no, I won't feed the fucking... I have bigger problems on my feed hands. Feed the birds, Nick. I have children to look after. Feed the birds your children. Actually, this could solve all Then you my kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Make it look like an accident. <laughs> you can feed two birds, kill two kids, and ride away on an umbrella. Yeah. Everyone wins. Except for what's his name? Kill the kids and steal the magic umbrella. Sell it on eBay for three tuppence. Yeah. Then you'll have all the tuppence you can drink. Tuppence umbrella. That's six pence. Ooh. Well, well, well. Aren't we living That's one sixpence. Is it? Sure. Okay. That doesn't sound quite right to me. Surely one sixpence is like seven pence. Because everyone knows that when you buy something... It always costs more than what it is. I mean, if we're including GST. There it is. There, There's the catch. All right, that's good enough. <laughs> that's good enough. That's a spicy meatball.
やれやれだぜ